You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Shouldn't you be at work? Clean sheet, I call it, is uh, is one of the most important things in in football. Nice to see the home fans booing it. Emil Heskey, could it be five? Yes, it is! Paul Bowden to take it. Oh, and he's hit the crossbar! Gerard, it's Carroll! What a goal by the England striker! That's why he was brought in and he's done the job. Saved! Jordan Pickford! England on the brink! Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, and he hasn't! No! Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? It's the Euros 2021 specials. This is our second preview. Today, we're looking at the tournament as a whole, plus looking at Wales and Scotland as well. I'm Chris Skull. Joining me, as always, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And sitting there in his Burton's official England's Gareth Southgate waistcoat is Michael Marden. Hello. And set waistcoats to on and tits to off, because right here, off his tits, is Tom Cray. (laughs) Hello, Chris. This is this is what it's all about, isn't it? I've been looking forward to this all day. Four great mates discussing the bloody Euros. Yeah. Come on. Um, should we start with the 90s o'clock news, Skull? Let's go. Some big stories this week. From the headquarters of ITN, News at 10, with Chris Skull. San Marino in intriguing football slash pop drama. Lee Sharp fan club in consumer rights scandal. Oh no. And how Steve Froggart met his wife. Okay. okay. And now I'm just going to read something verbatim from um, Pop Bitch, which is a popular kind of media newsletter. A bit like Private yeah. Eye, but via email. Yeah. Your arch nemesis, Private Eye. <laughs> Stick. Yeah, we'll get on to that. Stick with this. 
because it sounds like it's nothing to do with football, but then there's there's a twist at the end. San Marino have pulled off the coupe of the Eurovision Song Contest by getting Flo Rida to make a guest appearance on stage. Eurovision hasn't seen a celebrity cameo this big since Dieter von Tees silently waggled about a bit during Germany's piss-poor entry in 2009. But how the hell did small fry, two-time qualifier San Marino, manage to land such a star? It's certainly not Flo's love for the contest. Organisers were busy explaining what Eurovision was to his entourage while he was on stage for a second rehearsal. He'd missed the first because he'd been booked to judge a bikini contest in Miami. Obviously, it's a money thing. But who'd stump up the cash needed to fly an A-list rapper to Europe in the middle of a pandemic just to help hoof San Marino into the top 10? Guesses, please, gentlemen. Who do you think paid for Flowrider? Uh, but San Marino's... A, a, well, it's not. It's a country in its own right, obviously. But it is uh, closely related to Italy, isn't it? So is yeah. it an Italian? Berlusconi? Berlusconi's not a bad guess. It's more intrinsically linked with football than even Berlusconi. Roberto Donadoni. I mean, there's so many. <laughs> if, the problem is, if it is Roberto Donadoni, while that would be a phenomenal guess, it will look like I've cheated. Get ready to get your minds blown because it's Panini, the sticker people. Oh, Panini oh. paid for Flowrider. How much, A, how much money have they got? B, oh, loads. why? I don't why? get the benefit. Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting fact. But I'll tell you how much money they've got, Skull. They're, pay- they're 90p a packet these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely insane. There's also about sort of 15 different types of stickers now. Some are like cardboard. Some are sort of ones you've got to throw across the room and hit another one off a shelf or something. There's all this confusing stuff I don't understand. But like, there seems to be different variants. They're making a lot of money there. So Yeah, they're, they're loaded. Yeah. But, but to what end? What's the benefit of them doing that? Just think, Michael, as you're, as you're struggling to fill your Euro 2021 sticker album, you're actually secretly funneling cash to Flowrider. <laughs> <laughs> Is anyone else collecting the stickers? I'm not. No. I'm not. I feel like, you know, even though we were like a few days before the tournament starting, I feel like I've left it too late. Yeah, of course you have. You need to more or less have got it done before the tournament starts. There's nothing worse than looking for a kind of, you know, a Phil Jones after England have gone out in the first group stage. Group stage is <laughs> I like to buy like one packet when I'm hammered on a night out and normally give it to Josh and then we get it out and we go, oh, look, there's five players I don't know. Because <laughs> 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 it's not 1996 anymore. <laughs> and then you put it away again. I, I've also realised whenever I have uh, tried it, I hate the action of peeling off the sticker and then i find the putting it down just really frustrating and boring i tried to get um josh's wife rose's mum to do it once when i was at her at your house i don't remember that i bought like 10 packets i got bored after one sticker and tried to make her do it but surely if you're not enjoying the you know the the practice the 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 zen moment of sticking then what's the point yeah exactly particularly you need 400 how many do you need now michael i think it's more than 600 oh my god (sighs) What a terrible That's for me, that is worse than the European Super League. It's, it's <laughs> basically a pyramid scheme, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I'm going to tell you now go on eBay, look at old completed sticker albums. You are not investing your money wisely. Yeah, they do I'm not, not retain their value. To invest. I would buy Amazon stocks if I was looking to invest. I'm doing it because I enjoy <laughs> to, the process. He's doing it to kill time before death, Josh. That's what he's doing. He's cutting out life. <laughs> With mundane acts before the axe falls down. I've um, a thing that I remember from our childhood. Was this is this a, like a, a false memory? But there used to be panini meetups. Uh, like it said yeah, on the yeah, back yeah. of the thing, so you could go to like yeah, I went to one. You could go to it. Did you? And what happened? I went to a Merlin one because it was when it was Merlin. I went to a Merlin swap shop in Exeter. Uh, I might have been Torquay. Doesn't matter. 
Um, and I didn't know any of the, I was about 11 or 12 and I didn't know any of the other children and I just didn't have the confidence to go up to any of them. So we went, my parents took me. 400 Carol Paborskis in your back pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Didn't swap one and then we left. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Can, can I check whether something was a London thing, right? So, you know, when you complete your sticker book and you've got loads yeah. of uh, swapsies, what do you do with the swapsies? What would you do if you had all those swapsies in a complete sticker I, book? Well, people would normally sort of bring them into school and hand them out for like a popularity thing. That's just basically hand what them out. You would just hand them yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you do? You would throw them in the air in the middle of the playground and shout scramble. And all the other kids would be in a huge melee. This isn't just me. It would happen everywhere. Like when a cash machine kicks out money. Yeah. yeah. And you would go, look, there's going to be a scramble in 10 minutes. And you'd just throw them in the air, scramble. And it's just every man for himself. And like, isn't that better? I, I, the, one, the one fact I'd pick you up on, Skull, is let's, let's not pretend you grew up in London when you grew up in Essex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just so you can see it Essex. in the distance doesn't mean you live there. London-Essex borders. London-Essex borders. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what's the second bit of news? Right, Lee Sharp, fan club, consumer rights scandal coming up. This is from my source for this story is a single tweet. This is from Vinyl Yes Please on Twitter, who says, It's brilliant. Fan club was a farce. My sister <gasps> won his football kit, never received it. Ended Oof. up being a small feature on BBC Watchdog. Whoa, oh, the Lee Sharp. The Lee Sharp fan club. Oh, Come on. wow. But I just feel sorry for Lee Sharp's mum. She's got a lot of admin there, isn't she? Yeah, that's Lee Sharp's mum's just dropped the ball. That's not, they're not trying to do people there. Well, I don't know if Lee Sharp's <laughs> trying to do people. That's a different question. But I imagine he was stepping out with Danny Bear, so he didn't need to. But do, um, do you think that's why his football career tailed off? He just made so much money out of the Lee Sharp fan club. He just he was like, I, I, I'm done. That's why he moved to Leeds. He needed new kits because he's actually agreed to give so many away as prizes. He actually (laughs) needed to move between clubs. Can you imagine that? Like uh, Lee Sharp gets to the end of a game and it's it's a cup game. So the opposition asks if he can swap shirts. He says, I'm sorry. I'm giving this away as a prize to fan club members. <laughs> you don't want that playing around in your head. You don't want that worry when the kit man's collecting the kit at the end of at the end. You know when you're like, you know in a hotel. Saying to Marco Van Basten, you can't swap shirts. <laughs> I'd love to. I'm a big fan. I really am a big fan. But Doreen in Bournemouth needs this. So. <laughs> um, Any time for Steve Frog at a skull? Oh, we're out with so much uh, Panini sticker chat. We've lost. We've I love Steve Froggett. He, I was a huge fan of Steve Froggett when I was growing up. Do you know who else loves Steve Froggett? His wife. Who? <laughs> we haven't got time to talk about. Right, I can't tell you how he met her. Um, oh, now Panini convention. We have time for one, <laughs> one electronic postback. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the electronic postback. You got mail. We've had this from a couple of people. Last week we discussed on our first Euros preview the 90s, the surge of electric from kettles at half time. Oh, yes. It's been pointed out to us that there is a real visual for this, uh, which is that in the music video for Three Lions, it starts with Badil, Skinner, and uh, watching football on the sofa, and Ian Brody brings in three cups of tea. While they're watching an England game, so the greatest, the greatest moment in English football, portrays them drinking tea. This is from Alistair Mills and other people. 
Do you want to change your view, Skull, that people shouldn't be drinking tea during the Euros? But I'm guessing that's before the game. And also, that would I would argue there's a really good case for saying that was the last cup of tea served before a major England game. Like that was the final, that was the line in the sand. I'd argue that sort of weak milky tea in polystyrene cups is very much part of the football fan experience. It, it, definitely in the lower leagues. Yeah, I'd agree. You'd go and watch it. I remember watching Bath City and stuff. It'd be freezing, terrible game at halftime. You'd go and have a sort of pie in a polystyrene yeah. cup of tea. So I think I think it's part of the part of the culture of football. I'm going to say drinking when going to the football is absolute dog shit. Uh, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I'm going to say whoa. this now because you end up in this situation where you'll have two pints before the game and then you can't have them in the stadium. I mean, going to the game. So throughout the first half, you're sobering up. Half time, fifteen minutes is not enough time to queue and yeah. consume a pint. So that is not a pleasurable point in any way. And then you sober up during the second half. So the, the whole thing, it's its just a complete waste of everybody's time. I remember when I went to see West Ham with Skull last, and you pointed out that the opposite stand is, what do they call it, the West Ham? Basically, there's a thing where you get to have as much beer as you want. Is that right with your ticket price? What's it called, uh, yeah. Skull? There's a thing called the, uh, the bowling bar, and part of your ticket is that you get... Infinite beers at half time. It's infinite like, beers <laughs> at half time. And so basically, but the whole the, fun, the hilarious thing is, Skull Skull went watch that stand, and then he and then about ten minutes before the end of the first half, it completely yeah. cleared. <laughs> just people were just trying to get as much but, beer as they could. But you're not. There's like they don't One serve the left. beer. They don't serve the beer until the half time whistle is gone. They, they spend the first half racking up all these beers on the counter, and then it's literally like someone blows a the ref blows a whistle, and it's a melee. As everyone starts grabbing the beers, trying to drink as Somebody many as they can. Scramble. It's like you're... <laughs> <laughs> Second use of the word melee in the whole in the show. So does it close at the end of halftime? Or can you drink to the end of the second half? I think basically they leave the beers on there. and you can. T- so if you took a beer with one minute to go, you're allowed to stand so there and drink it. Yeah, but okay. I think I, I, they're pretty loose with ending it. But obviously <laughs> people are wanting to go back to watch the game. But there's, you always get a few Are they? down against Newcastle and no one was going out second. if you're 3-0 down and there's still 30 pints on the side and there's three of you and you're like well why don't we just stay here and have three pints each the word infinite is so needless as well isn't <laughs> yeah. it I've, I've if you just, say, just say 10 just beers be that's fine I've had infinite that. <laughs> well, I'd love to test. I'd love to test it. Uh, have you ever, have you ever had it gone for a beer in the like at half time and thought I'm just not going out for the second half? Well, me and Michael made a bit of a faux pas, didn't we, when we went to West Ham? The one time we went to West Ham with you, Skull, when we were going to be doing the half time thing, we completely missed. We went for a half time beer and we somehow lost track of time and came back out at sixty minute mark. <laughs> Skull, do you remember this? We once went to watch West Ham and I got really quite drunk uh, at halftime. And then the second half, I went to use the... Were you in the bowling bar? Were you having I went to use the, the toilet. And um, if, I'm, if I'm entering a what I think is a cubicle, I will get my penis out as I enter. Um, <laughs> and then use the toilet, which is straight in front of me. But of course, it wasn't a cubicle. It was like a full room of like 40 people at the arrival. <laughs> so I flung the door open like in a Western and just stood there with my dick out in the doorway. <laughs> just put it away again, sort of waddle across the arrival. <laughs> Absolutely mortifying. <laughs> 
Boyd. <laughs> One of the worst things that ever happened to me. Um, if you've got anything on tea drinking or um, infinite bars, not the pissing, uh, this is how to get in touch. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Now, we're here really for the Euro 2020 feeling. We, we, we did the first preview with Matt Ford, which was heavily England-based. We're going to try and well, we're going to try and focus elsewhere today. Uh, we've got Tom Crane here, obviously, already. We're also joined by Scotland fan Susie McCabe's brilliant stand-up, who will be telling us uh, her feelings on it. And uh, we were going to get Ellis James for Wales, but um, he's had having some problems with Charles' bedtime, so that is gone. However, I was very excited to see. Were you not excited to see Ellis? Is a, he's a columnist for The Guardian now, during the Euros. They only take the best as well. They do. How did your column go down in the Guardian skull? Well, at the time. It was a great column. Thought it was very good. It was, it was excellent skull. It really was. It was great. I mean, on reflection, it was talking about uh, West Ham getting Champions League, which is, <laughs> yeah, uh, I regret now. <laughs> but the but the big thing that came out of the column, which else do you want to explain? Well, was that you were you were became part of Sude's Corner in Private Eye, in which they choose a piece of writing that's uh, overly pretentious each month. <laughs> And your intro was chosen this month. I mean, it's an honour. What was your intro? So but I wanted to make the point, like, uh, you know, Rumi, uh, there's a poem by Rumi called The Guest House, which is about how you should feel all of life's emotions, good or bad. And about what. And so when I, the first draft of this article was that actually the, the European Super League is like is designed to prevent heartache. But actually mm. that is part of the rich tapestry of life. But after various drafts, lost some of that magic. But ultimately I was saying like, West Ham almost being in the Champions League, this is part of the rich tapestry of the football experience. And these are emotions that we should feel. And that's what Rumi was talking about in the poem, A Guest House. But try telling that to the guys at Private Eye, who says I'm pseudo-intellectual wanker. <laughs> try telling that to Ian Hislop. <laughs> and the worst thing is, I subscribe. You subscribe to Private Eye? Yeah. So I got it from a door. Mock oh. it. I'm paying, I'm paying for someone to post something from my own door, mocking me. <laughs> Now, let's talk about the Euros. Tom, very obvious start question, but I think we need to kind of clock this. How excited are you for Euro 2021? Yeah, I, I am. I'm really excited. I am really excited, but with a big but, which is that I... Um, well, let's I, not... I, let's I, not. <laughs> which is the other part. when I went into the toilet the wrong way around. I pulled my trousers down. I, <laughs> someone yelled that out. No, the... Um, so cheap. And then the big but is that I've, I've, I've completely... <laughs> Stop saying it, mate. <laughs> the big part is I cannot lie. So, no, so mix a lot. This is his favourite episode. <laughs> Speaking of Crane's butt. Isn't that what I'm here to talk about? <laughs> Speaking of Crane's butt, can we just can we very quickly digress and talk about uh, when we went to the Euros in 2016? Yeah, I think and we, we can, went yeah. to um we went to Saint Etienne <laughs> to watch the England yeah. game. And we got uh, we sort of got funneled into this bottleneck of England fans as the uh, the Jardin were kind of like controlling us into the ground. Yeah. And there was this amazing moment where Crane had to bend over and tie his shoelaces up, and uh, an England fan came from behind him and started fake bumming him. Yep. And everyone turned around and saw and started cheering. <laughs> <laughs> and I turned around over my shoulder and looked at the guy and said, 
Oh, you had to, mate. You had to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on your wavelength. Hilarious. All right, you. Exactly. I'm one of you guys. I'm one of you guys. I'm just well, when there's a thousand food. people cheering, though, you can't sort of become a spoil sport. Go, what are you doing? So I just completely... <laughs> you know, like when you're you're in the back of a cab with a, and a cabbie saying things you don't really agree with, it's just easy to go along with it. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically that. But yeah, absolutely mortifying. It's so embarrassing. You were so pleased that happened, though, Josh. You were absolutely yeah, of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't you be? So, do you want me to get back to my big butt? Yeah, yeah. my big butt is that I have <laughs> is that I've completely lost control of the television to our three year old. If I try to play my own things, he, you know, I, invariably it's Peppa Pig. I, you must be the same, Josh. I guess you are the same. What, what does he turn it over to? Very <laughs> fun. Very nice. <laughs> really Lovely. nice. Really great. But um. The idea of explaining to him that it's sort of, it's Austria versus North Macedonia or whatever, it's sort of yeah. a hard thing to... So I worry... That, that is a concern. So I, I'm really excited about it, but I wonder how much I'll get to actually see because, you know, the reality of parenting, probably a lot of time sat with my iPhone in the loo and that sort of thing, I guess. Yeah. But I am really looking forward to it. The stuff that I get to see, I, I would enjoy, and I just hope it's plenty. Are you concerned about that, Scal? No. She goes to bed at seven. I think, I think I've got a lot of flexibility here. Uh, and like yeah. the England games are the big ones, aren't they? If I can catch anything before seven, that's nice. But I'm not banking on it. Yeah. Okay. And also, te- I, I, I plan to make a lot of the highlights this this time because I, I what I've done previous years is try to commit to the whole match or not watch it at all. But I'm going to f- allow myself to not watch the game but try and catch the highlights. Yes. Which is yes. Like a new mind. I'm coming into this tournament with a new mindset. Work wise, Tom, being a freelancer, do you like yeah. approach the Euros? Have you got the the England games and the other big games, the final and the semis, in your diary. The final, the England games, the semis I haven't got in there. I know, I know that we've got England Scotland the same day as the last leg. Yeah, because uh, obviously, well, because I, I write on the last leg, but um, so that's the one. But we'll we, we'll we'll be watching that. I think. <laughs> I think that's. I, yeah. think, I think it's before the show, isn't it? So we're, we're, yeah. we're right on that one. But um, in general, no, I haven't sort of reshaped my working life that much around it. I'm just like you, Skull. I'm going to try and catch the evening games as many as I can, really, and then sort of take the highlights realistically, the stuff in the day. But um, yeah, I, I I love the idea of sort of taking a month off. Oh I really man, do. can but, you imagine? Um, can you imagine? People do that, don't they? Can you imagine saying, I'm not going to work for this month. I'm just going to watch the World Cup. Yeah. Well, I, I don't want to be that guy. But... <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> that was teed up so perfectly. As yeah. the only person with no children amongst the four of us, I have deliberately <laughs> cleared my diary. And it's my ambition. I might fail, but it's my ambition to watch every minute of every single game, including a dual screen setup for the final group stages and any knockout games there where they clash. Oh, so so wow. I'm going to have eyes. The plan is to have eyes on every single minute of the entire tournament. We'll there see how we I get that bit in Minority Report where you're sort of flicking the screens around. And- <laughs> <laughs> And the result comes out on a wooden ball. <laughs> but Michael, do do you know what it's like to hold a child's hand as they lick an ice cream? <laughs> Imagine if he says yes. No, but I do know what it's like to watch Australia grind out a nil-nil with North Macedonia. <laughs> well, actually, it's, it's, quite, it's quite similar, to be honest. Quite a similar feeling. <laughs> yeah. um, There's an edginess to both, isn't there? You think it could go wrong at any point. Um, now... I want to ask this for a reason because I've my child was up for two hours last night, and I'm going to tell you what I did with uh, a bit of it. But before then, I want to ask you whether you think England will beat Croatia, and whether you think is that a good result? 
So I think we will draw with Croatia. Yeah. And um, I must admit, I'm not feeling unbelievably confident about this tournament in general. Uh, I have a worry about fitness in the centre. I think Henderson hasn't been playing enough games. It's the, the centre-back issue with Maguire not being there yeah. initially is, is a worry. There's some good players, but it seems like Michael and I were talking about this last night, actually, how a lot of the other centre-backs, the other options, seem to have a mistake in them, basically. Uh, Tyrone Mings has a, a bit of a temper on him. You know, uh, John Stones is the sort of person who'll try and dribble around the, the striker and do, you know, a rainbow yeah. kick or whatever it happens to be. And there's a few things that worry me about it. The attacking options are really good, but a lot of those players actually aren't in amazing form. Sancho sort of picked up towards the end of the season, but... I don't know. I have a slight worry that this could be. This is not the attitude we want on this podcast, is it? I know. <laughs> but you, you guys. Well, can well say let me bring it amazing. down. Let me bring it down for you. Yeah. Okay, this Croatia game. So I started thinking about England v Croatia, and then I started thinking, do we ever win our first game? Because we we won it in 2018, didn't we, with the last minute goal? So then I went back through um, every England opening game since. Uh, including the 1966 World Cup, since the 1966 World Cup. 26 tournaments, England have won yeah. five opening games. Wow. Isn't that mad? And two of them were against Tunisia. <laughs> wow. In 26 tournaments? Well, we've we won qualified five... for seven of them. So in okay, 19 right. tournaments, we've won five. That's is that crazy. to do with the undue pressure on the team when they first go out there? Do you think there is something about our mentality and it informs the team? It's a baffling statistic, isn't it, for a team that you would consider to be maybe one of the eight strongest countries in the world. That, And then yeah. you actually go back and you think, how many times I've seen us blow that opening game or draw that opening game? And so I'd quite yeah. happily take a draw against Croatia. I think, I, think, I think we'll get a draw. I think we'll get out of the groups and I think we'll do all right. But I think... think I can't see us winning it personally, but I. But you never know. You never know. And we have a lot of talented players. It's all to do with fitness and form, really, I suppose. Michael? Yeah, I was thinking about this today. It's a strange one because I think we're better than Croatia and we yeah. should beat them. The issue we've got is that the most important thing at tournament football is to not lose your first game. And I also yeah. think Gareth Southgate is naturally a very conservative manager. So I don't think he's going to either start or empower the creative players in that game. Whereas if he did, if he you know, started Foden and Grealish, who arguably are better and in more form than the likes of Rashford and Sterling, it might give us a momentum that we've never had or certainly rarely have in an international tournament to carry over. But my instinct is that it will be a slightly tense, slightly joyless one-all draw and yeah, then that's we'll, what we'll get for. through the group. So Grealish is a player that I hope more than anyone else gets game time because I, I think he's, I find him so exciting. I love the fact he has that sort of slightly... Shin pads. We're thinking about the shin pads. We're always thinking, we are thinking about the tiny shin pads. He's got tiny <laughs> but, shin but pads. Not, but I, I love that. And, and he had, there's a, something about him which is just exciting and you don't quite know what you're going to get. And I, 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 But I think that's brilliant. That's the sort of player that I'd, I'd love to have and the sort of player you can see English fans sort of falling in love with throughout the tournament if he's allowed to play. I, I really hope that happens, basically. Well, let's move on to the tournament as a whole. We did get distracted into England. I'm going to say it. I think one of the issues with Euro 2020... I refuse to accept we have home advantage. The fact it's not held in a single nation, I think, is it will never be a classic tournament for that exact reason. Can, yeah, can I we talk I about think this? A, a, a location gives a tournament. The, one of the yeah. top three reasons Italian 90 was so great is it seemed to just be Italian. It seemed to, do you know what I mean? USA 94, yeah. 
was felt America. France 98. Yeah, France 98. Can the BBC do a borderline racist stereotypical <laughs> opening sequence based on your country's agreed characteristics? Yeah. A couple on a tandem with a baguette and a basket yeah, yeah, at the front. Exactly. <laughs> that sort of thing, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do, you know, do you agree with me? Yeah, I, to- Completely. I, I totally agree. It's such a shame. Like, I know this is Platini's. Uh, he's wanted to do this, isn't he? He wanted to bring the tournament to. Part of me is really excited. Back when we had tickets, we had all of us had tickets for this Croatia game on, on Sunday. We're not going to be there. Part of me was massively excited that England would get some games. But it just doesn't count. It doesn't feel like, you know, it doesn't... I was thinking the other day, like, if you're Harry Kane on the bus to Wembley, does it feel like this is a Euros game? I'm not sure it does. I mean, not because the crowds aren't there, but because where is the destination? Where are the eyes of the world? We're spread over an entire continent. I do appreciate that, you know, he's spreading these games around the continent. Great, but I would way prefer it if it was in one place. I way prefer him to do it over 12 tournaments than all in one. I'm really worried that FIFA or UEFA will consider this an English tournament. Yes, that's my worry, that this will count as our go. It's (laughs) not our go. Don't count this. (laughs) No. No, exactly. Yeah, this is everyone's go. Michael? Well, that would obviously be incredibly heartbreaking if this did end up being our quota for, you know, our, probably our lifetimes or certainly to the point where we give a shit anymore. I really <laughs> loved the idea of multiple nations when we were going to games because I really loved those sort of mini city breaks and sort of experiencing it differently. Because the thing about mm. a tournament, if you go to a major tournament, you're not going to that country you're going to a bubble that gets put over that city by FIFA or UEFA. Yeah. So I didn't go to Moscow. I went to like FIFA Moscow. I might as well have been in Epcot Center. So I, I don't <laughs> mind that. The now it's not that. I totally agree. Like I would rather it was one country so it had a real sense of identity and you can kind of buy into all of that iconography. What would be your question for Crane? What would be your dream country for it to be in? And please describe the BBC title sequence. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, well, obviously it would be here. It oh, no, no, here but, no, and, but uh, yeah. country okay, abroad. Well, I think Italy is a good one. Italy's a good one. It is, I, yeah. I yeah. think, so, I think so, they so could... Uh, the, God, the Godfather theme tune. Yes, the Godfather <laughs> theme tune. And all the players are appearing on pizzas. <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's in the opening title sequence, uh, uh, Duve's pulled back, horse's head in the bed. But the horse is Harry Kane. <laughs> <laughs> the horse is wearing a yeah, uh, number ten Italy shirt. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. I love I love all that stuff. The France ninety eight one where it was like a bistro, and then there'd be like Paolo one shop on a wine glass, and it was <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> It was just lovely. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. They, they, they're keeping that polo one shop on a wine glass thing though. This this time they're keeping that going as a as a, <laughs> it's a weird little motif. It's always polo one shop on a wine glass. <laughs> They've got the footage. My, my 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 thing as well is that when when a tournament is in a country, you also get the games in the sort of rather crap, slightly old, tight stadiums. Whereas yeah. I imagine this time around, it's going to be a lot of glossy, beautiful, sort of circular things that yeah. reflect the night sky and exactly, you know, whatever. But it's like, when we, for instance, when we um, went to see the games, we went to St Etienne and yeah. that it was feel a dog like shit a small, stadium. grimy, exactly. And, and the same with your 96, there's certain games, I don't know, I think there's a charm yeah. to seeing those sort of stadiums, rather than these sort of beautiful corporate things that are being constructed now. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Let's move on to the mascot, Skillsy. (laughs) There was a boy at my school called Skillsy, which has really brought it all back. He was called Joe Mills, but he's called Skillsy. What? Uh, Because he was bad at football. 
Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Um, Skillsy, Skillsy sounds like a sort of rapper that we'd enter into the Eurovision Song Contest. Who <laughs> <laughs> do, do a rap about staying clear of drugs and then get no points. <laughs> with some kids dancing with him. Have you seen a picture of Skillsy? <laughs> yeah, he's... He's rubbish. So, so it's basically like a cartoon man. Like, you know, I, th- I always think football mascots, they need to be a thing, like a prawn. Yes, totally. <laughs> man United's a, a devil. But like Pilgrim Pete, whatever it is. Yeah. This skills is just a dude. Like, he's just got, yes, a, he's absolutely. like a cartoon man. And he's such a boring cartoon that he's like a cartoon of a cartoon. Let's, <laughs> for me, the, the dream four years, the dream eight years, Obviously, Climax and Chow in Italia 90. Don't. But let's remember in the 80s, Spain 82 was an orange. <laughs> That's a great one. Yeah. <laughs> and Mexico 86 was a chili in a sombrero. That's what we want. <laughs> That's what you want. I think there hasn't been, there hasn't been a good one since uh, Futix, who was the one in France 98. Yeah, who was that rooster, Futix. Yeah. Who, I don't know if you knew this, but this is, uh, I Googled him earlier, and this is a little fact that, that Futix was the dad of Etty, who was the mascot of the 2019 Women's World Cup. There you are, there's a little, there's oh, a little there fact. There we go. Here. So the, the Women's World Cup uh, yeah, yeah, uh, mascot yeah, was actually the daughter of Futix. Crane. What yes. was he, though? Yeah. Was he actually? He was a rooster. No, no he wasn't. It's all what made up. <laughs> it's rubbish. <laughs> Just so you know. I mean, I don't want to be cynical, but it is rubbish. You, you're not a fan Scott of that. Scott has been stung by... Uh, this was one I didn't like. Ukraine. Was it Ukraine and Poland? And they were two twins, one from Ukraine, one from Poland. It doesn't work as a birth. It doesn't work. As, you can't have twins from different countries. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. Um, can I just say, I went out my way to read the press release for Skillsy. Can I, and then just one line drew, drew my eye. The mascot is part of a wider campaign by UEFA to engage more young people in next year's tournament, with fans from across the Euro 2020 their host nations being encouraged to share their skills online. So what? who is looking at Skillsy? What kind of young kid is looking at Skillsy and thinking, wow, I want to be better at football? What is, what is it? Very briefly, I quite like the USA 94 dog as well. I know people really hated that one, but I actually quite liked it. Yeah, I didn't uh, mind partly because I don't know. I had this Game Gear game, which was World, World Cup USA '94, and the, he was on the loading screen. And it's for me, it was like my first tournament I really got into. For some reason, I've got into it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm still a fan of that little dog. So why have they abandoned all that sort of stuff? Why have they gone for this run of just sort of? I, well, I think this is one of the problems. I think this is one of the problems is that if your country, if it isn't a specific country, so it's not Portugal, so you can't go with like. A custard tart with a face, like <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so, which is yeah. obviously what you'd go for if it's Portugal, um, yeah, because it's twelve countries. There's no animal. Well, you just need. I suppose they could find an animal that's native to all twelve countries, but it makes it a lot more difficult to choose a a stereotypical yeah. thing to humanize. I think they should have got the captain from each of the countries to um, draw, like you know, when you play that parlor game where you draw one piece of a body, <laughs> you fold the paper over. Hand it over, <laughs> and at the end of it, they've got this kind of Frankenstein's monster mascot where each cat, you know, Harry Kane right. is drawn like a leg of lamb or something, like an e fit. That's a great idea. Can I just say, I, I don't want to labour this point. I've just found a, an image that comprises all the mascots for all the Euros and the World Cups dating back to 1966, and they're all c- kind of normal, like cartoons. Yes, that looks like a mascot, with the distinct exception of Chow, the greatest mascot of all. 
Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Chow looks nothing like another. What any is other your mascot. problem with Chow? What is Look, your problem with so Chow? So angular, Lego bricks, a ball for a head, no eyes, no digits. These are the things that Chow has that no one, no one else has these problems. He doesn't have any. Like, what the fuck is it? I can't. <laughs> um, right. Should we get our guest on? Marshall has saved! It's a happy ending for Scotland for a change! Susan McCabe, hello. Hello. How are you? Are you excited? I am very excited. And is there like a, I hate to use these words, Euros fever? Yes, yes. Everyone, we were talking about it uh, today and everyone just kind of... Oh, I can't, I can't believe it's here kind of thing because it's been 23 years. 23, <laughs> 23 years. years, 10 doomed qualifying campaigns. And yeah. now you're at the big show. At the big show. And do you know what? At the big show with a decent team. Yeah. With some decent players. And, you know, they've got a bit of rhythm going. Well, can I just pry on that? Because from the outside looking in, I'd say you don't you don't appear to have a big star in the way that Wales no. have Gareth Bale. Andy Robertson. <laughs> He's a great player. He is a great player, to be fair. Tierney um, as well, fantastic. And McGinn, there's a lot. There's a lot yeah. of good players in the in the squad. I, I very much have a Kieran Tierney shaped hole in my heart. I've not <laughs> recovered from Kieran Tierney leaving Celtic. I just I love Kieran Tierney because he's like an old school footballer mentality. Yeah. You know, he, you know, he, he's happy to kind of go in and leave a bit on a player, and he's happy to kind of take it and just get up and get on with it and. And I like that. I like that in my players. I've just realised that I've filled a, a whole load of Scottish stereotypes there. Like, basically, <laughs> I like my football players to be violent. Basically, that's what I've said. So, but he, yeah. didn't he get four assists recently in, in one yeah. game? He got four assists in one game for Scotland. So, he, you know, he's got a sort of quite an attacking mind as well. For a sort of centre-back, he seems to be someone who's obviously brought up as a left-back. But the way he can sort of move forward with the ball as well, it was also quite impressive. Yeah, even when he was at Celtic coming through, he was a very forward, he was very strong going forward. Mm. But to be fair, you didn't you didn't fancy your chances against them either, though, you know, as as a as an yeah. attacker going forward, because he, he's just got such an engine on him as well. Like he'll just bomb up and down all day. And he's strong. He's he's really strong. So uh listen, I I, I love him. And then you've got McGinn, the uh, biggest bum in football. The, yeah. the, because players quite literally cannot get round that backside. They just quite literally can't get round them. But that's like a callback to Kenny Dalglish. You're one yeah. of the greatest ever players. He had one of the yeah. great bums in football. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like like those kind of like hot bums that, that women swim over. It's actually, you know, people are going, he's got a great bum for football. He's got a great <laughs> bum for football. No one is getting that ball off him. Childbearing hips. Yes. Um, Winding the clock back a little bit, qualifying against Serbia. Obviously, you know, like mm. we said, 10 qualifying tournaments where you didn't come through. And then to win on that penalty shootout, what was that oh, night like? Honestly, so <clears throat> obviously it was it was during lockdown as well. And, and you know, Hamden, there was no one in Hamden. But it, it was amazing. Like, even just now talking about it and thinking about it, I have goosebumps. Because when, when they scored in like the 89th minute, you went... 
Standard. Standard. This is life as a Scottish football fan. This is, this is life supporting this country at sport, in any sport, like any sport, like rugby, anything. And that penalty shootout, you just thought, oh, no. And then the way we were just going up and taking those penalties, though, we were so assured, you know, that we were so assured going up. And they took good penalties, but Marshall, I mean, when Marshall done that save and then looked to the, the assistant ref, I think it was, it might have been the ref, you know, for confirmation that it was okay because, you know, how football's now get 300 new rules yeah. that have just ruined the game. <laughs> and and just that absolute euphoria. And, you know, it, it was it, like the next day you were talking to people and meeting people and, and they were just like, what about that? What? I can't believe we've qualified. And I was like, no, I know. I can't believe we've beaten the Czech Republic home and away. Do you know? So, mm. aye, it, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's a shame that Hamden was empty and that the yeah. pubs were empty and stuff like that. But it, do you know what? I think, I think in a way, we're just going to have a great summer. I actually think we're going to have a really good tournament. Do you? Yeah. So yeah. How did you fit? I, I hate to bring this question up, but I, <laughs> I feel we've done our we've done our time without mentioning it. How do you? feel about the group that has been thrust upon both of our nations right i think we can beat the czech republic yeah i think we are due a result against england and yeah. i would also say this it's the age-old problem with england and heaven forbid you let a scottish woman tell you this right you have <laughs> <some> great players <laughs> But I'm not convinced that you play as a team. I'm not convinced Ooh. he knows his best eleven. I'm not oh, he convinced doesn't. he knows his best centre, his two centre halves. He's going to play. Mm. No, I, I don't think there's. You don't need to be convinced because he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Whereas Steve Clark, on the other hand, is a man who's been about football for years and years and years, and he has got you know if you go, so he's got McGinn, he's got Tierney, he's got Robertson, he's got McTominay. So there's like four of his starting 11, and he'll probably, you know, you're going to have an Armstrong in there. He's got a decent squad, you know, and I think 3-5-2 would suit Scotland. But also, there's there's some players in that team that are winners, yeah. you know, that, that like, and I know it's not the same as the Premiership, but so Tierney's got an FA Cup, but he's, he's, he's obviously got, you know, a pile of medals from being at Celtic, yeah. and, and he's a winner. Tierney, you can mm-hmm. tell he's a winner. You like, you know that if Kieran Tierney and Andy Murray were playing Ludo, they would have a fight about it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that kind of mentality. They're just, just, they just don't want to lose. And Robertson's like that as well. And you see Robertson leading the players and geeing them up. And I, I just think there's a real belief about that squad because there's six or seven of them. Did you see that earlier? Uh, Craig Brown said that he thought that Scotland could win the Euros, and I read that and I thought. I actually think there is something in that. I, I, no, I, I, I do. I genuinely think that Scotland could do a Wales in this. I do. And I think Billy Gilmore is fantastic. Give, oh. give him a chance as well. Brilliant player. I, 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 think that, I do think there is a chance that Scotland could go really far in this. I really mean, Listen, I mean that. Listen, Denmark 92, right? Scotland <laughs> oh, 200 is... to 1. <laughs> 200 to 1 points. I tell you what, listen, listen, I tell you what, we would be... <laughs> Unbearable if we were the Euros. <laughs> Honestly, you know, like people down south, a lot of people don't really like Nicola Sturgeon just now. Imagine if we won the Euros. Honestly, we would just be sending down Iron Brew with her face on it with a salt tire. Ah, 
like literally it would be full radicalization we would just be ah oh, all sorts would be going on trafalgar square with the washing up liquid again oh yeah would you two options you can either go out in the second round having beaten england or you could lose to england but make it to the semis which is what wales did yeah i would take that would you? I would take that. I remember, so I'm a Celtic fan, and I remember the season we got to the UEFA Cup final, and yep. we took the league down to the last game of the season, 2003. Finished that season with nothing, but what a season we had, you know, what yeah. a season. And I, I think that's that's what makes you a football fan, you live for that. You yeah. know, you might not win anything, but what a journey you went on. I would take that in a heartbeat because it's magical. And Scotland have never really done anything at a tournament. No, really. what's, what's your favourite tournament that you've lived through? Do you care about tournaments when these last 20 years? How invested are you in them when Scotland aren't there? Oh, no, I, I, I still watch them. I still watch them and, and I get proper into it. Uh, mm. But it's not... But I watch it like, see, <laughs> see, when Wales got to the semis, I was like... Ah, I just wish this was us. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I had that when Brentford got to the Premier League and I was like, I wish that was Plymouth. I can't I can't look at this without imagining that Plymouth yeah. could be Brentford. Yeah, yeah. And and it's that, it's that thing. It's that and that's that's what makes you a football fan, isn't it? Because I was thinking about this today, like I've I've walked up to Celtic Park on so many occasions, like Champions League nights going, we are getting cuffed. Like all day I've been like Pfft. We'll be lucky to escape with a 3-0 win here. This is AC Milan or this is Man U or this is Barcelona. And then I get into the stadium and I'm like, do you know what? I think we could get a draw. (laughs) (laughs) See, by the time I hear the Champions League music, I'm like, we are taking three off this mob. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Like, there is no rationale for that other than you're just emotionally invested. But I do think that for me, I think it's just about the journey, and I think that I think actually that's what Scotland. I think that's what we want. We want to go and go. Look, give us more than three games, you know. Give us five games, Scotland. Mm. Give us five games to get behind you, and be caught up in this ridiculous situation where we're actually winning and playing well at a tournament. Where do you where, where do you think you will get to realistically? What do, where, how far do you think Scotland will get? I think we could get into like the last sixteen, essentially. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I think I think that it depends. I mean, see the thing for me it's not really about the Czech Republic. Like I think Croatia are a really good team, but I think they're one of those teams that kind of grow into a tournament. Yeah. England, if they don't get a good performance and a result first game and then come on stumbling like this kind of talk. I know, but listen. <laughs> but listen, because I can hear it and I see it in the video and I hear it and I'm like, oh, they're just, because he's played it cool for so long and now he's getting all, ooh, it's all, all the troughs coming. And you're I, like, oh. I, I mean this. I am absolutely gutted we're in a group with Scotland. I know. It, it adds so much needless edge. To what should be a calm start to things. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Let's face it. The echoes of Euro 96 are all there. England, Scotland in a European tournament in the yeah. same group together at Wembley, middle of June. It's all there. Yeah. All the Except ingredients you don't are there. Have Gascoigne. Yeah. <laughs> Except you don't have Gascoigne. And, and we've got a better manager now. <laughs> and you... yeah, it's all there. It's all there. Well, there's two words that I suppose we need to bring into that equation. I'd love to know your feelings on Yuri Geller. Ah. Uh, Honestly, he can get in the bin. He can, in fact, 
he can get in the bin and it can be on fire. That's that's how I feel about Yuri Geller. Get in the bin, you absolute waste of oxygen. Just get in the bin. <laughs> I, I just listen. I think for me, like my favourite kind of tournament, my first tournament that I can really remember vividly. I remember the Dutch. I'm going to give away mage here. So I remember the Dutch winning the European Championships. I remember that final. But it was Italia 90. Italia 90 for me. That was, What a tournament that oh, was. So that was, you lost to Costa Rica in yeah, an upset. <clears throat> but the tournament on the whole was amazing. That was the yeah. Toto Scalacci tournament. Did that have a bigger impact in Scotland then, that tournament? Because that changed, transformed football in England. Did it have a similar impact in Scotland? Yeah. Yeah, we got worse. Uh, (laughs) We just kept going, let's just keep doing what we're doing. This seems to be working. Costa Rica. Oh, what's the problem? Uh, And then, you know, Euro 96, I was 16, and and we were all obviously into that. And then France 98, opening game, World Cup, I was 18 years old. The whole country closed at 3 o'clock for the 4 o'clock kickoff. And, and I actually worked part-time in a gay bar. Now, bear in mind, this is 1998, you know. They were still hunting down homosexuals in the military in 1998, right? And uh, they didn't really show sports in gay bars, right? And the place, like, so many people were in with their face painted and saw tires. And then we got the first goal about, and then we all celebrated. Then we went, oh, I think we've just made Brazil angry. Did you go ahead in that game? Yeah, John Collins. Oh, God. Wow. Wow, I've forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and and do you know what? That that was still a great tournament as well. That was still a great tournament. And then that's it. Other than that, you've just been, we've just been spectators. I wonder if there's a sort of, because I naturally always like to root for the underdog and like if a team is losing two 0 at half time, invariably I just want them to win, whoever it is. And I even yeah. found myself during the Iceland game when Iceland were beating England. I kind of part of me wanted to see them win it. I know that's insane, yeah, yeah. but I, 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 that there must be sort of like a, a galvanizing excitement, that feeling of being the team that it's, it's unlikely that's going to happen, but it just might. For me, it must be so much more exciting. I love sporting England, but there's that's just like that feeling. Oh, we 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 really have a good chance of winning this. We're one of the big big teams, and I. I I think I'm more naturally attracted. I'm quite jealous you get to experience that as a Scotland fan with that yes. sort of hope of what you never know, which is not what England fans are like. We're like, we, we're going to win this, and if we don't, we fucked up. Whereas yeah. with Scotland or Wales, it's like, you never know. Let's have that dream. I suppose that's the opposite of what you feel for Celtic, where if you don't win, it's you fucked yeah. up. Although that description did actually sum up the whole relationship between Scotland and England in one conversation. <laughs> it was just like, well, you know, I mean, we're expecting to win it and we're like, you have got no divine right to win it. You have no divine right to win it. Just because, you know, you've been to a few tournaments. Yeah, yeah, and it is a bit like that with Celtic where you do feel... I'm quite, I think because I've lived through the kind of 90s with Celtic when they were terrible and then obviously I, I just, I, I did live through the glory days until, you know, there's another bin that's on fire that's currently Celtic. But um, there is that thing where I can, I can actually take getting beat if we've been beaten by the better team on the day, you know, whereas you've got some Celtic and Rangers fans who are like, how's this even possible? And you're like, well, it's sport. Yeah. But I think it is that thing with Scotland where, and also I think, 
I think a tournament kind of misses us, you know, like like from the fans' perspective and stuff like that, yeah. you know, because we, we're never really any bother, you know, yeah. we're kind of yeah. there for the party, do you know what I mean? We're <laughs> there more for the the occasion than 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 the expectation, you know. Yeah, and I think I Similar think that's England, a kind we're, of we're, a, we're a lovely lot, England. Have you been sort of covering us at all? Or oh yeah, <laughs> across yeah, the way yeah. we are in in piazzas and that sort of stuff. We're always delightful. Mate, <laughs> we've been living next door to you for four hundred years. It's, trust me, <laughs> you are such noisy neighbours. Let me tell you, uh, if if. <laughs> if we were houses, you would be the one drinking Kestrel with disco lights in your garden. That's all I'm saying. Right? Yeah. But no, I think... We're and, like and the Lotto really... Lout, aren't we? You know yeah, that guy that won yeah. the lottery? Whatever you're Mikey called. Carroll. Yeah, Michael Carroll. Carroll. <laughs> you're on your quad bikes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there is that thing as well, though, where I actually really enjoy watching England. Like... Like watching that kind of Gerard Lampard, you know the schools, the Beckhams. Watching the teams, they're good games. They're entertaining games. They're, they're, they're. You know, they're England are a good team. I watch Premiership mm. football. I watch Championship football. I bet on English football. You know, so I know the players. I enjoy watching it. Do you know what it is? I actually said this on a news quiz the other week when it was the week after the Duke of Edinburgh died and I said, see when you're Scottish and stuff stuff like this happens, it's like when England's at the World Cup and we're not. <laughs> That's what it feels like. <laughs> and it's that kind of thing that you're going, I actually really want England to do okay and then you put on the TV and then you put on the radio and then you pick up a paper and you're like, do you know what, I hope they get absolutely done. <laughs> Seven nothing, you know, and it, and it's not because yeah. I like the players and I like watching the team, yeah. and I want to see my mates celebrate and really enjoy the moment supporting the team. That's a great thing. But then, see the closer it gets to you getting closer to a final, this nation like Scotland just clenches, like the whole like the whole nation just sits in a permanent clench. Like going, oh no, can you imagine how bad this will be? Can you imagine like? Like, we've not got over 66 yet. Like, can you imagine how bad this will be? Well, <laughs> hopefully, Susie. Well, we'd love to talk to you later in the tournament. Well, I say that. Depends how it works out next uh, next Friday evening. <laughs> how do you guys think it will go? How do you guys think it will go? I swing between um, overconfidence. At, I think, if I'm honest with you, I think for England, I think, I don't think we'll beat Croatia. I think we probably will scrape something against Scotland. You've got to remember, you only really need three or four points to get through the group anyway. Um, But I think England will probably go until we reach a team that is quite good and then it'll be over, which is what happened in 2018, isn't it? I think Mm. we'll get France or someone in the quarters and then it's game over. I think Scotland will get out of the groups. I'm presuming Czech Republic are rubbish, but I'm basing that... Purely on the fact that I don't know who any of their players are. And Scotland beat them home and away. So oh, there they we must go. We're be fine. terrible. We're fine. They must be terrible. <laughs> I, I think it is that thing, though, with like, for me, I think I, I, there's no reason for England not to be in the semi finals or the final, but it, it's whether he can get that team to jail. Yeah. We talk about like the 90s and stuff, and you go, I remember that Scotland support at France 98. Mm. It's a really yeah. exciting... Of all the countries, it's one of the exciting away followings. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It feels like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the Dutch, isn't it? Yeah. It's like when you see the Dutch and they're just all there in their orange. Yeah, and exactly. 
and and there just never seems to be any bother. And, and to be fair to England, like the England fans have kind of smartened up their act, and the FA have put a lot into that and stuff. But you just there's never that kind of one togetherness. No, you know, there's never that that thing where they like to think like, oh yeah, we're all together as a nation, and then you're like, well, I'm not entirely convinced you are. No, well, um, it's about forty eight percent, fifty two percent. That's how the nation divides. That's uh, <laughs> we voted on it. We made it clear. You're telling me, you're telling me, buddy, you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, listen, I genuinely do hope. Listen, have a great tournament, guys. Like, not too great. Yeah, have a great tournament. Do come back, and I'd love. I would we'd love, love it. To- Chat to you as it goes on, hopefully all the way to the semi-final. Ah, uh, be all the way to the final. Listen, us, us against Italy in the final, could you imagine? <laughs> By that point, fans can get in and we get to bring back the song We Deep Fry Your Pizza to sing it to the Italians. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thanks so much. Uh, take legend. care. Have thanks, a great mate. tournament. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers Susie. Bye-bye. Susie McCabe. Thoroughly enjoyed that. And genuinely, so excited to have Scotland back. When you talked about at the start of this, Skull, about watching the big breakfast during France 98 and them having people over in France, I remember the Scotland fans in their kilts, you know, yeah. larking around around the Eiffel Tower and stuff. It's fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Do, you know, do you know one thing that, that kind of reminded me of? You know, we, we talked the other day that England-Scotland in 96 was actually a far closer game than people realise. One factor I haven't really considered is that Scotland could beat us this summer. Yes. For me, I, I, I mean, this is terrible. I never really considered it, that as a variable until we just had that chat. And I was like, and now I, oh, I consider it a certainty. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. are bang in trouble. Are we bang in trouble? They have got a good side. I'm going to say it. Let's not panic at this stage. How much um, affection do you have for the other home nations? Well, let's let's take this back to the 90s because that's the way we frame everything. How much did you support Ireland and Scotland in the 90s? If I may. For the same reason that I want English clubs to do well in Europe, I will support the home nations in any tournament. I like I, I will go out yeah, my way to watch too. their games, but, excluding Except the English clubs in Europe play. thing, which I think is bananas. <laughs> Except and whether, when in, whether in Europe is bloody straight bananas that you're not allowed to bloody have a bend in. Am I right, guys? <laughs> no, you're not wrong. I said up in Brussels. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you support? Yeah, I, I supported Ireland fully in in USA 94 I yeah, always want them to do well but I wonder whether they hate that I'm also I'm half Irish as well which probably has you're Irish I'm half well my, my dad's side we're all Irish so ah. it's, I know that's the sort of thing that everyone says but that is on my whole whole family my dad's side Irish. Tony Cascarino <laughs> <laughs> turn it in town so half Irish but also a Villa fan so Ray Houghton McGrath you're not going to qualify and- mate <laughs> I actually have a dual passport, so I could. But um, yeah, I, I loved I loved Ireland. USA ninety four, fantastic. It's, that was yeah, I, I very much how, got behind them. How about you, Michael? Yeah, I mean, I don't have any of that kind of default tribalism that normally comes with being a football fan. Uh, so I sort of yeah, I'll support Wales or Scotland if England have gone out. But for me, it's often about the sort of personality of the team in that era, if that makes sense, which often then is fed down from either the manager or sort of certain key players. So I'm far yeah. more inclined to like you know, Italy because I quite like Mancini than I would yeah. by default follow a team because they're closer to us geographically. Well, this was another question I did want to ask, which is are there teams in tournaments in history that 
you you love that you had an, a felt an affiliation to. Like I loved Croatia in Euro '96. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah. I love it's because that I th- I think when Croatia turned up and they'd completely gone rogue on what you could do with a football kit. I just yeah. felt it was absolutely <laughs> thrilling that someone had gone. We don't have to do it like everyone else. You know, and I and then they had Davos Suker and I loved Croatia in Euro '96. I loved I loved Italy in a lot of the tournaments. I wonder, I wonder if this is a thing. I loved Italy in a lot of tournaments in the '90s because I had such an affection for them from uh, Football Italia on Channel Four. Definitely. Well, USA 94 being a perfect example of that. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely loved them in that tournament. I, I think there was a thing as well with smaller teams. Like, I loved Czech Republic in, in Euro 96, where yeah. these teams, you'd know none, none of the players because the, the world was different then and scouting yeah. was different. And a lot of these players hadn't made it into Syria or the Premiership, whatever it happened to be. So, whereas now, most of the international teams, their players are with Lazio and all these, they're all with big clubs. Yeah. So it has changed a bit. But back in the day, yeah. Lazio I mean, have got I, a huge I, squad these days, haven't they? Most of yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> it's ginormous, running a huge loss. But I also, I also like teams from like um, cold countries with a tiny population. I seem to sort of like, like for instance, Iceland being a perfect example, yeah. or maybe like Finland this time. Yeah. Um, I, I, like, I like those sort of teams where there's normally one standout player. But um, yeah, th- those are the sort of teams I like to sort of get behind. Yes, totally. Chris? Yeah, I was just surprised you're going for Croatia 96. I think Croatia 98. That that was my yeah. Croatia team. I way preferred the Croatia team of 98. Um, at Japan 2002. Uh, what yeah. was the team? Was it two, a couple of years later? Uh, Ghana? Didn't Ghana do quite well? Oh, yeah, Ghana. Like, I do. I, love... I, I had a lot of time for Nigeria in 1998 as well. Yes. I, I love the teams. Uh, do you know what? I really love Wales when Wales did so well in those years a few years ago. I love the teams who kind of come out, come from nowhere. Cameroon in Italia 90. I mean, they're still, I, they're oh, still the big story. Defi- I think that's got to be the defining. That That is it. I'm, yeah. I'm drawing an end to this debate. <laughs> the greatest non-British Isles team is Cameroon 1990. What a thrilling ride that was. I know. Yeah. I know. Agree? All agree? He, yes, on the other end of the spectrum, I love a shit house like a Uruguay. I think it was Uruguay not Ghana out that World Cup, and it was um, Suarez handballing on the line. Like the most shit house, awful thing to do, and just <laughs> yeah. like him looking back as he was walking down the tunnel, cheering as the penalty was saved. I love it. I yeah. do love a shit house. Argentina, nineteen ninety, as well. Oh man, what a vile team! Even Denmark Brilliant. loved the, it. The way they won uh, Euro ninety two. Just the back. You watch the clips of them back passing. I mean, it's disgusting. We'll end by asking Tom the question we asked Matt Ford. Will England win a major tournament in your lifetime? Yes. I think they will. I think I think we will win the next World Cup. Oh, Qatar. God. I I think we I think we will win that. I think Foden, Sancho, a lot of these players will be that little bit older, hitting their prime. It's only I, 18 I think, months, Craig. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you have, you've got to think about Foden. For example, has just completed his first season with full yeah. season with Man City, and where he's been played more and more. By that point, he's he's one of the most important young players in the world. Definitely, yeah. he's he's. I say the best player we've had come through in quite some time. I think he's so integral, and there's a lot of these players. I think with a couple more years behind them, 
or 18 months. I, 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 think, I really think there's a good chance we'll win that. For some reason, I don't have the same confidence this time round for the Euros, but I think we, we might win the next World Cup. We've been looking for your, um, your strange um, omens that we're going to win. And we got deluged that Phil Foden had dyed his hair the colour of Gaz's hair guys. in year 96. Guys, take your head out of the sand. <laughs> we're clearly going to win these Euros. Remember, we didn't win Euro 96. Yeah, so we're going to go out in the semi-finals. Which, which I would take. Probably fine, which I, would... I had a daydream earlier about what one thing that could happen at the end of this tournament, the Euros, is we get to it. It's an England-Germany final. There's a minute to go before the end of extra time. The little board goes up to show there's a substitute coming. Gareth Southgate's bringing someone on, but the number on the board is zero, which refers to the manager. <laughs> and Southgate brings himself on for the penalty shootout. People are going, what's going on? He's in his work shoes and his suit. And then he, he hits the winning penalty and then he does a Pizza Hut ad- advert where he does actually show his face in it because he's no longer need to be ashamed. <laughs> and that is how it all ends and everyone's happy. And then, you know, just everything, everything. I think if that happened, football should just end. I think one of the problems. I actually think we've talked a lot about innovations in football, but if there was an end date, it would get really exciting. If, if they said we would declare an overall winner in 2025, imagine how much the transfer fees would get out of control. It could be that the leagues are getting smaller and smaller and every time if you're relegated, if you're on the, whatever that relegation zone is, you your club just ceases to exist. Yes! So, so there's like, so, and so it's just, and by the end, it's like there's a four, four team league to see who's going to win it and you put them all together. Basically a super league. That's what, that's yeah. what we're thinking of here, isn't it? And then there's one winner declared and then football's yeah. banned forever. And then we become the number one football podcast because we're the only ones talking about the past. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Wait, just before we go, you know, uh, I watched, again, the Pizza Hut Gareth Southgate, Stuart Piss, Chris Waddle advert. Remember the pizza one after Euro 96? Mm. And I found it shocking, even all these years later, that they would sit around and joke about it for a pizza advert. Oh, get I over found it. New, it's I a bit of fun. I was suddenly It offended. isn't talk sport. No, Peter Shilton's in the room. <laughs> I was like, really? You ruined that. You ruined that for the country. And you now Hello, you're, Hawksby. You're... Hello, Jacobs. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <sighs> come on. It starts. Good luck, everyone. Good luck, Scotland against the Czech Republic. Good luck, England against Croatia. If you're listening to this on Friday morning, uh, when this has come out, a uh, big reveal. Uh, we have a Zoom call on last leg tonight with Mr. Yuri Geller. So do look forward to that. What? How have you booked him for last leg, but you won't come on it? I didn't book him as well. Be aware, Skull. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? Get me, ask me, I'll say something to him tonight. What should I say? Ask him if he could move the ball at some point during England-Scotland on, on Friday. Okay, Tuesday. I'll ask him if he'll make, he can just move the ball during England-Scotland. We'll see during how that corner. goes. During a corner. Ask, ask him if he can pop the ball somewhere during England-Scotland. <laughs> I want to see the pop ball the deflate ball. midway. <laughs> Just hear bang just midway through. <laughs> and then also, and fly around the stadium like a deflating balloon. <laughs> Fans ducking and that sort of thing. Um, so we have, we're doing three podcasts a week. Our, our next one, our first proper one is on Monday. Uh, it'll be out Monday morning. That will be recorded after the England-Croatia game. We'll be reacting to that. 
And then uh, Wednesdays and Fridays, uh, they are for Patreon listeners because this is costing us a lot of money to put together. Uh, Do sign up for that. Chris, how do you want to end it? We'll see you on the other side. Good luck putting your wall charts up. Robbie Slater, see you later. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.